She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. The Simpsons. The Springfield Files. In this episode, we go in search of the truth when Homer has an encounter in the woods near Springfield with what might be an alien entity. And the FBI comes to investigate. This episode was written by Reed Harrison and directed by Stephen Dean Moore. This production was not approved, endorsed, or authorized by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and it originally aired on Sunday, January 12th, 1997 at 8pm. So The Simpsons doesn't do teasers like The X-Files does. They just jump right into the main titles. Uh And we get the clouds and the simpsons and i'm not gonna go through the opening credits if you've ever seen the simpsons the simpsons has like 837 episodes you have probably seen the opening of the simpsons there are two things that tend to change one is called gag one and that is what bart is writing on the chalkboard in the classroom during Mm -hmm. his detention and in this episode he is writing the truth is not out there all down the board And then gag two is the very end when they all get in the house and they go to watch the TV. There's always something different going on. And in this episode, they all have jetpacks and Maggie's all woohoo, does some loop the loops and then comes down in Marge's lap. So. So the episode opens with narration by Leonard Nimoy sitting behind a desk that has both a skull and a candelabra on front of it. And he's in front of a wall of bookcases. And he says, hello, I'm Leonard Nimoy. The following tale of alien encounters is true, and by true, I mean false. It's all lies, but they're entertaining lies. And in the end, isn't that the real truth? The answer is no. Our story begins on a Friday morning in a little town called Springfield. And then he opens the book, it's like a little story time book. And a page says, our story begins. And it's got like a little fairy tale font. And it's got like a woodcut kind of image of Homer Simpson. And then the image comes to life as Homer proclaims that it's TGIF and he's off to Moe's bar. And his co-workers are like, uh, it's 10 a.m., Homer. But Homer has a plan based on something he saw in a movie that I don't think has anything to do with the movie. He doesn't really remember the movie's name. But anyway, I've never seen the movie, so I don't know. Anyway, he's going to hook a VCR up to the security system, and he puts an old surveillance tape into it. And the tape is apparently from the 1970s because Homer's got a T-shirt that says sit on it. And one of his co-workers is like wearing like a suit from John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever, like the white mm-hmm. with the blacks like that, doing disco dances. So that's his plan. And then we see Mr. Burns watching the security monitors and Homer's trick uh, seems to go unnoticed. And then Burns asks Smithers, his personal assistant, what his plans are for the weekend and asks if he plans on doing something gay. And Smithers is caught off guard because Smithers actually is gay and he is in love with Mr. Burns, both of which are unknown to Mr. Burns. Mm -hmm. But Burns is like, you know, lighthearted, fancy free. Mothers, lock up your daughters. Smithers is in town. <laughs> and then so Smithers laughs performatively and is like, exactly, sir. <laughs> yep. Oh. Poor Smithers. <laughs> also, I mean, you know, you can't help who you love, but man, imagine 
being in love with Mr. Burns. Yeah, that's that's a rough lot for anybody. But I guess <laughs> Smithers has spent so much time with him. And I don't know. Yes. I don't know. So then we see a retirement home. And an old man says, thank God it's Wednesday and downs a cup of medication. But then the woman next to him corrects him that it's Friday. And he says, uh-oh, wrong medicine. And he's immediately covered in long white hair over his entire body. Just like poofs out because he took the wrong meds, mm-hmm. which I, I don't think is a thing. But anyway, it's the Simpsons. I know what med, what med, like, <laughs> like daily activated meds. That's crazy. But okay. <laughs> so at an arcade, there's a sign outside that reads meet Donkey Kong. And we see a large gorilla and he's smoking a cigarette and he's sitting on this low stage surrounded by barrels. But the parking lot around him is completely empty. And the owner walks by and he just says, Donkey Kong is no longer the draw he used to be. And as he walks away, Donkey Kong throws a barrel at him and it knocks him down. And he's like, oh, you still got it. <laughs> so, yeah, random reference. Yeah, He should have been a, it's a me, uh, Mario. <laughs> but it's not Mario. It's Donkey Kong. Should have um, dressed like Mario. That would have been funny. And then inside, Millhouse is putting 40 quarters into a Waterworld arcade game. But then, like, after he puts the 40 quarters in, the character walks, like, for two feet and then stops. And it says, please insert more coins. So he's like, what a rip, and then starts to put in more coins. So also 40 quarters for a game, that's a lot. That's $10. Yeah, that's that's expensive. I don't think yeah. I would ever play Obviously, that's a game. joke about Waterworld being, like, way over budget. So Yeah, but yeah. still, four quarters is my limit, man. Four quarters. Although nowadays the arcade is all just like credits and stuff. You don't even use money. So it's weird. Get off of my lawn. Yeah. The world has changed and I don't like it. I'm the old man (laughs) shouting at the cloud, which is a meme from this show. And then we see a doctor leaving his office. This is Dr. Hibbert. And he says, thank God it's Friday. And he shuts off the lights. And as he leaves, we see the old guy. I forget his name. He's the mole man guy. He's in the x-ray machine. And he's just like, hello, hello. And he's, he's been forgotten. And it's just apparently being repeatedly x-rayed because there's no radiologist there to turn it off. So he's going to yeah. have a and like long weekend. Every character in The Simpsons has a name. Like, I didn't put them all in because I was like, I'm, this isn't a Simpsons podcast. So No, I just know Dr. Yeah. Hibbert. If you know them, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I grew up watching The Simpsons. I've watched all first, like, 12 or 13 seasons probably repeatedly. I've seen episodes intermittently since then, but I haven't been watching it in recent years. And every time I've tried to watch the newer stuff, it just hasn't been as funny. So I don't know, mm. but it's still going. It's still Get going. Get off of Tori's lawn. Get off <laughs> of Tori's lawn. So at the Simpson home, the dog and cat are wrecking the place. And Marge is like, ah, because the dog messed up something and the cat's tearing up the furniture. And Lisa and Bart are preparing to watch Friday night television. And Lisa is super excited for ABC's TGIF lineup. But Bart is jaded. Mm-hmm. Tells her, like, when she grows up, she'll learn. She'll learn. At Moe's, Homer downs another Duff beer and then tells Moe he wants to try something different. So Moe is like, um, okay. And he turns his back and pulls a pin from behind his ear. And then he turns back around and says, here, Homer, have a bottle of Doof beer from Sweden. And so Homer downs it. And then halfway through, realizes it's Duff beer because basically Mo just put a little umlaut over the U and Duff. Mm-hmm. So Mo laughs, was like, "Ah, you got me!" And then he hands Homer a bottle of Red Tick beer. And Homer drinks it and he likes it. 
And then we cut to one tick beer brewery and we see a taster testing beer from a vat that has dog swimming in it. And the taster says it needs more dog. So that's good, I guess. <laughs> Later, Homer downs another red tick beer and says it's 1 a.m. He better go home. And he is down like a lot of beers, obviously. Well, a bunch of bottles on the counter. He left work at like 10 a.m. And it's 1 a.m. And he's like, <laughs> I got to go home and spend some quality time with the kids. <laughs> it's like, dude, 1 a.m. Although we'll find out later, he apparently paced himself pretty well. So, but yeah. But Mo makes him take a breathalyzer test before he can allow Homer to drive home. And so Homer scores a Boris Yeltsin, the highest tier. And so he decides to walk home. So he's walking home and we get some spooky, like X-Files adjacent music. Not really X-Files music, but kind of close. Homer takes a path towards the woods on his way home. And then we hear the iconic psycho music by Bernard Herman, and it plays as a set of headlights approaches Homer, and he steps aside, and the music is revealed to be diegetic because a bus from the Springfield Philharmonic pulls up, and the orchestra inside is playing the music. So this creeps out Homer, and he runs, and then he sees something that makes him fall to his knees with fear, and the camera shows Homer in front of a huge billboard that says, die. He's like, oh. And then the wind blows and a swaying tree reveals the sign to actually say diet. And he's like, ah, so he gets up and he runs. And then a shadowy figure emerges from the woods. It's his dad. And he's all, oh, son, thanks for finding me. I went out this morning to get the newspaper and I got lost. And Homer, boom, knocks him down. It's like, no time for you, old man. And he just keeps on running. <laughs> and then the X-Files-ish music continues to play. And Homer runs through the forest. And then an owl is all, whoo. And then Homer trips over a tree root. He looks up as the real X-Files music starts to play. And a glowing alienoid figure approaches him through the trees. Homer begs the creature not to hurt him. And the creature says, don't be afraid. And Homer screams and runs and creates like a crop circle that reads, ah, complete with an exclamation point, which he has to jump to make the dot. And then it's commercial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. I think Homer met an alien. Maybe. I mean, no ambiguity here. Oh, looks like an alien. Yeah, it seems oh. like it. Mm -hmm. So Homer bursts into his bedroom and he wakes Marge and she says it's 2 a.m. and asks where he's been. He says he saw an alien that said, don't be afraid. And she asks if he's been drinking and he says, no. But then he admits that he drank 10 beers. And she does the little Marge noise of hmm. Yeah. I mean, look at, you know, that is some pacing. I mean, from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m., only 10, that's less than one an hour. There's, you know, that's what, 15 hours? And you only drink 10 beers? So. Yeah, assuming that's an accurate count, which I, I don't know if I'd believe that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So then at the breakfast table, Homer's trying to convince his family he saw an alien. And Lisa suggests maybe he just dreamed it. She pulls out a copy of Junior Skeptic Magazine, which has an image of Devil's Tower on the cover, and tells him that the chances are 175 million to one of another form of life actually coming into contact with ours. Homer's like, so? And then she exasperatedly says that people who claim to have seen aliens are always pathetic lowlifes with boring jobs. <laughs> but then she's like, uh, and, uh, and you, dad? And laughs nervously because obviously he's not a pathetic lowlife with a boring job. No, no. <laughs> and 
And then Bart runs into the kitchen with a super soaker and he's wearing googly eyed glasses with antenna stuck on his skateboard helmet. And he says, I am the thing from Uranus. And this scares Homer before he realizes it's Bart. And then Homer says he can't believe he's being mocked by his own children and on his birthday, too. And Bart is like, it's your birthday. And Homer's like, yeah, it's the same day as the dogs. Lisa turns and she tells Santa's little helper that it's his birthday. And she goes down and she cuddles him. And she's like, we need to get you a present. Yes, we do. And the whole family like goes and hugs the dog and they ignore Homer, who's just sitting at the table. Yeah, Bart's are like, we love you, Santa's little helper. Yeah. And then at the nuclear power plant, Homer is telling his alien story in the break room. And he says they put him on a huge metal table and they prodded him with humiliating probes. But then he's like, no, wait, that was my physical. And so everyone's like, ah, and they leave because they realize it's not a real alien story. And then Homer goes to the police station and he tells the story to Chief Wingham, who does not believe him and like says, well, let me type it up on my invisible typewriter. Because, you know, Chief Wingham is, I mean, he's just not good at his job. And And then after Homer leaves, like realizing he's being mocked, someone else comes in to report a crime and he's like, let me type it up on my invisible typewriter. So, yeah, he's just sitting on his butt, not doing anything, which is pretty enigmatic of Chief Wiggum and also police. Anyway. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was going to let you do it. I was going to let, let you have it. I was going to let you have it. Yeah. Like, is he a caricature? Mm, maybe. But is it accurate? Mm, maybe. It's not so, inaccurate. <laughs> then we see a building and the screen legend reads, FBI, Division of Paranormal Activities, Washington, D.C. Whoa. And inside, we see a photo of Jedgar Hoover in a dress. And then we pan across a wall that's got photos of aliens and UFOs and lake monsters and all kinds of news clippings. And a woman sits at a computer typing. And behind her, there's a poster that says, I want to believe. And then a man walks in and throws a newspaper down on the desk. And the newspaper is the Springfield Shopper. And its headline reads, Human Blimp Sees Flying Saucer. And it's got a picture of Homer. And the man says, look at this, Scully. There's been another unsubstantiated UFO sighting in the heartland of America. We've got to get there right away. (laughs) And then Scully says there's also reports of a shipment of illegal drugs and weapons coming into New Jersey tonight. And Mulder's like, you really think the FBI is concerned with matters like that? So. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. (laughs) And then we see a hand reaching for a door knocker that looks suspiciously like Mr. Burns. And then it uses the knocker and the screen legend reads Simpson home, Springfield, USA. Marge Simpson answers and Mulder introduces himself and Scully as FBI. And Marge panics asking if this is about the pin she took from the post office. She's like, I accidentally put it in my purse and I meant to return it, but then the dog chewed it up. And then she starts hyperventilating and like is having a panic attack. And then Scully says, actually, they're there to see your husband about his UFO encounter. And then Marge invites them in, like trying to catch her breath, like, <gasps> come in. So, yeah, Marge is me. I'm like, oh, no, that one time I accidentally did something really minor. Now it's coming to bite me in the butt. <laughs> oh, dear. Poor Marge. So inside a building that says FBI Springfield branch invading your privacy for 60 years, Mulder and Scully have Homer in a viewing room looking at a lineup. 
And Scully asks him if any of these are the alien he saw. And we see inside, and the people in the lineup include Marvin the Martian, Gort, Chewbacca, Alf, and either Kang or Kodos. And he's like, no, it's not any of them. Al Jean describes this as the most illegal shot in the history of the show because they did not get permission to use any of the characters, except obviously Kang Kodos, because that's a Simpsons character. But they even have like Marvin kind of speak and stuff. And so like they, they kind of got away with it. But that's the trend, something nice there. So yeah, who's Al Jean? <laughs> Al Jean is uh, one of the writers on the show. He's one of the main producers or something, right? Um, I don't know. I'm going to be some dude off the street that you talk to. I have no idea. (laughs) Algene is, I think he's the producer of this episode. Okay. Algene is one of the former showrunners of the Simpsons. He and Mike Reese actually came up with the story idea for this episode. And they also, along with Matt Groening and the writer and the director offered commentary on the DVD. So this is probably from the DVD commentary. Um, But I got it from Wikipedia. I'm just messing with you. I know, but that's that's who Elgin is. Yeah, he's one of the people who ran the show for a while. So in another room, we see the cigarette smoking man, and he's taking a drag on a cigarette by a water cooler. And Scully's got a lie detector attached to Homer. And it's all wired up to him, and Mulder is writing on a clipboard. And Scully explains how the lie detector works, and then she asks Homer if he understands. He says yes, and the machine explodes and catches fire. And then Scully runs a series of tests on Homer including one where they like hit his knee with a thing. And then it takes him like hours to react. which That's kind of funny. And then we see Homer and he's running on a treadmill and he's wearing his underwear and he's connected to all these wires. And Scully is watching from behind a one-way mirror and Mulder approaches and he's like, what's the purpose of this test? And she's like, there's no purpose. I just thought he could stand to lose some weight. And then Mulder becomes hypnotized by Homer's jiggling. And Scully's like, yes, it's like a lava lamp. Which, you know, yeah, I get it because, like, it's all that's always been a running joke with Homer that, like, he's fat and drinks beer. And yeah, I don't, I don't love but the fat there jokes was, either. There were some other fat, there were, there's this one, and then there's some other, there's some other stuff later too that I was like, really? Like, really? So, it's kind of that yeah. thing where you watch stuff from the 90s and you're like, I mean, not this stuff is that much better now in terms of fat jokes, but like, it is one of those things where you're like, wow, I did not realize how many fat jokes were just constant in everything all mm-hmm. the time. And then you wonder why everyone had an eating disorder and was miserable. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> not that things have gotten that much better. I got to say, I mean, they've gotten a little better, but there are still like shows that I really, really love that are relatively progressive in every other way. And then they still have a bunch of fat jokes and you're like, come on guys, mm-hmm. let's not do that. I mean, that's one of the running themes in wings, right? I mean, that's just like, yeah. I mean, that's the so, whole plot line in wings. Yeah. And then like even Brooklyn nine, nine, which is generally pretty progressive has an episode in the first season. That's just like entirely fat jokes and continue to make fat jokes throughout the show, which is a shame because it's otherwise pretty great on a lot of stuff. So it's just, you know, one of those things yeah. that people just that's even feel. more recent so yeah that's very recent it just ended like, yeah. a couple of years ago so yep so then we get a screen legend that says moe's bar 302 p.m temperature 72 all work and no play makes jack a dull boy and then the all work and no play makes jack a dull boy like repeats like 16 times and, like rolls up the screen and that's obviously from the shining that's mm-hmm. what he types in the typewriter so in the bar Mulder tells Homer 
they want him to recreate his every move that night. So Homer's like, well, the evening began at the Gentleman's Club, where we were discussing Wittgenstein over a game of backgammon. And Scully tells him it's a felony to lie to the FBI. So he's like, all right, we were sitting in Bonnie's car eating mustard packets. Are you happy? <laughs> so, so then some time has passed and Homer is drunk and he's making passes at Scully. And then he apologizes and is like, oh, please don't tell Marge. I love her so much. And then he sees a penny and he looks at it and falls off the bar stool. And then Mo asks Mulder who he and Scully are. And Mulder tells him that they're FBI. And so Mo nervously is like, oh, oh. And then he goes to the back room and there's two guys in this big back room and they're hosing down an orca. And he tells them the FBI are onto them and they need to get the killer whale back to SeaWorld. So what's going on with that? I don't know if it's just because the 90s had this insane amount of media about like whales and SeaWorld. I'm not sure where this comes from. I, I thought it was funny, but it, it doesn't seem to like I don't know why it's in this episode, except that it was just a, a gag they could come up I mean, with. There's a I lot of stuff like that. That's the thing. With, I had I mean, I watched it Simpsons too. probably not as much as you did, but I watched it, especially though, if nothing else, I would always make sure to watch the Halloween one, the Treehouse of Horrors. Yeah, but. I have not watched it in years and years and years and years and years. And I had forgotten how much of it is just like non sequitur, like gags, like yes. interspersed just... into the episode. Mm -hmm. So, so later Homer is back on his bar stool and he is even maybe drunker than he was before. And Scully suggests that he just show them where he went when he left the bar. Yeah, they don't really need him to sit there and recreate the drinking. They just need him <laughs> yeah, to like the, recreate yeah, the rest. His, his 15 hours of <laughs> drinking. <laughs> I wonder if they had Mo like put a little umlaut on the Duff beer too. Like just totally like, <laughs> most Mo, of and, then and then remember you tried to trick me saying that beer was some sweeten and then. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and most of the bottles around him are the red tick beer, too. So he's clearly drinking that and, and not mm -hmm. Duff. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So in the woods, a remarkably sober Homer tells him that this is a spot where he was standing. And then he points to the trees and says, that's where a horrible creature emerged from the woods. And then the bushes rustle and everyone's like, <gasps> and Scully pulls her gun. And then Grandpa Simpson emerges and he's begging for help. He's like, please, I've been here for four days and a turtle stole my teeth. And then he points and the turtle's got these big old dentures in his mouth. And then grandpa like chases the turtle and they're both like super slow. He's like, hey, and it's all super slow motion. I think it's actually supposed to be a tortoise, not a turtle. But anyway, mm -hmm. Scully tells Mulder that this is the worst assignment they've ever been on. And Mulder's like, are you sure? What about the flesh eating virus? And then grandpa gets bitten by the turtle. And he's like, ah, you bit me with my own teeth. <laughs> That just cracks me up so much, and I don't know why. It's just really funny to me. <laughs> Scully's like, this is worse, and she starts to leave. And then Mulder's like, oh, you're right. But then he stops, and he starts to monologue. And he's like, somewhere out there, something is watching us. Scully rolls her eyes, and she just leaves. Yeah, she's and, like, then no. keeps, <laughs> and then Mulder no. keeps going, and he's like, there are alien forces acting in ways we can't perceive. Are we alone in the universe? Impossible. And then like time, like day turns to night and he's standing in the field and he's like, oh, when you consider the wonders that exist all around us, voodoo priests of Haiti, Tibetan numerologists of Appalachia, the unsolved mysteries of unsolved mysteries, the truth is out there. 
And then he turns around and like behind him, Mo and his underlings are like carrying the orca across the field. And then he's like, who knew how heavy a whale was? And then he like sees Mulder looking at them. He's like, ah, the feds. And they like hurry up and run across the field. Mm-hmm. So and run away. Yeah. And then Homer and Marge are in bed and Marge is reading. And Homer tells her that he's never felt so alone. No one believes him. And then there's silence. And he's like, uh, this is where you're supposed to say that you believe me. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Homer. I don't believe you. And he's like, oh, I knew you believe me. And she's like, you're not listening. You're only hearing what you want to hear. And he's like, thanks. I would love an omelet about now. <laughs> so, yeah, he's really not paying any attention. And so she tells him that she tries to support him, but this has gone too far. And they argue a bit. And Homer says he can't share a bed with someone who thinks he's crazy unless she's feeling amorous. And he like kind of she's like <laughs> lying on her side and he goes over and, he's like, <laughs> and she's like, growl. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, fine. And so he leaves. <laughs> and then he's sitting at the kitchen table and Bart comes in and he's like, what's the word from Planet Crackpot? And Homer says, great, now you're going to mock me too. But Bart says he actually believes him. Homer just seems so sure. So Homer says on Friday, they're going back to the woods and they're going to find that alien. And Bart's like, what if we don't? And Homer says, then we'll fake it and we'll sell it to the Fox network. And Bart laughs and says, yeah, they'll buy anything. And Homer gets serious and he tells Bart that Fox does a lot of quality programming. And then they both laugh and laugh. So that's probably a reference to like the alien autopsy tape, among other things. Yeah. And then in a swampy forest, we see three frogs and they say, Bud, wise, er. And then they, you know, they start going through the rotation again. Bud, wise. And then an alligator emerges and snatches them all up. And it says cores before like sinking down into the water. And this is an obvious reference to the Budweiser commercials, but, and I have not seen anyone else mention this, so it was probably not intended, but whether it was intended or not, it also works as a reference to the X-Files season three, episode 22, Quagmire with the alligator. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. But I haven't seen anybody mention that, so... Which means it probably wasn't intended, otherwise people would be like, oh, so-and-so said, Al Jean said that this is about the X-Files. So, yeah. Look, a lot of people did the DVD commentary. That was really popular (laughs) at the time. You would buy the DVDs of The Simpsons and you would watch the commentary because you'd already seen the episodes 20,000 times. But that makes me think it wasn't intended, but it actually No, it probably wasn't, no. But it does work. Yes, it does. So Bart and Homer are sitting around a campfire and all their camping gear has labels that says property of Ned Flanders on it. So Bart asks if he can have some of Homer's beer and Homer says, no, it's for daddies and kids with fake IDs. Besides, it's such a beautiful night. What about a ghost story? So then we see Bart and he's got the flashlight, you know, shining on his face, making that spooky shadow stuff. And he's like, and that is how much college will cost for Maggie. And Homer's like, no, <laughs> no, no. We got like the overhead <laughs> shot of him like in the circle, just ah, crying to the skies. 
And then we see Bart and he's got a stick with a marshmallow over the fire. And Homer is putting marshmallows on this like stripped branch. He's got like 18 marshmallows on it. And then he puts that over the fire as well. And Bart says he doesn't care if they didn't see the alien. He had a great time out here. And Homer's like, yeah. But then the green glow kind of shines on Homer's face. And the X-Files music starts. And the alienoid creature emerges from the woods. And it's like, I bring you peace. And Homer steps forward and is like, as a representative of planet Earth, let me be the first to say. And then he starts screaming and hopping up and down because his foot is on fire because he stepped into the campfire. Mm -hmm. And the creature runs. And then Homer's like, oh, no, we didn't get any proof and no one's going to believe us. And Bart disagrees because he's holding a video camera with a tag that says, happy birthday, Ned. (laughs) And Bart says he got it all on tape. And Homer hugs him and he's like, good work, son. We did it. We did it. And they dance around. And then the shot freeze frames and turns into like one of those woodcut images again. And it's in the book. And Leonard Nimoy closes the book and gives his closing narration. And so from this simple man came the truth that we are not alone in the universe. I'm Leonard Nimoy. Good night. And then from off screen, a PA is like, oh, sir, we have 10 minutes left. And Nimoy nervously looks around and he's like, oh, oh, no problem. I just need to get something from my car. And then he hurries off screen and we hear a car peel away. And the PA is basically like, I don't think he's coming back. So pro- probably not. Mm-hmm. He's done. And then there's a commercial. Yep. Commercial time. And then we come back from commercial and Homer's in his living room and he's watching the news and Maggie's on the floor playing with blocks. And they show a report of a man who wakes up from a coma after 23 years. And he asks if Sonny and Cher are still on the air and he's told, no, she won an Oscar and he's in Congress. And the man is like, well, good night. And he dies. So I guess he wasn't happy with that answer. Just not. By the way, Sonny Bono died in my hometown at Heavenly Ski Resort in Lake Tahoe. Oh, crap. Yeah. Man, Sonny Bono dies in your hometown, the first COVID patients where you live now. Jesus Christ, Tori. I know. And I'll be moving. So by the time you hear this, I won't live here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, first COVID patient in the United States, I guess. The first say. COVID patient in the United so. States it was in the town that I was living in when COVID, the COVID outbreak happened. So that's, yeah, I have a lot of good luck. <laughs> Yeesh. I won't tell you where I'm moving next just for your protection. <laughs> But then the anchor, Kent Brockman, says, but first, E.T. phone Homer. Simpson, that is. And Homer calls for Marge and the kids to come see his video on TV. And Brockman continues, local man Homer Simpson, shown here with his tongue stuck to a lamppost. Whoa. (laughs) Tori gets that reference now. I do. (laughs) Has given us this videotape. It's a close encounter of the blurred kind. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. And then the video plays and we see the alienoid creature and he says, I bring you peace. And Brockman says the alien has appeared the last two Fridays in Springfield. And this Friday, the entire News 6 team will be there, except for Phil, the boom mic operator, because he's about to be fired. And then Brockman is hit with the boom mic and he says, ow, very unprofessional, Phil. Yep. And I am Phil. So. <laughs> Tori is Marge. I am Phil. <laughs> 
I would totally hit you with that shit. <laughs> How about? That's awesome. Oh, that's funny. Bart asks Lisa what she thinks of the alien now. And Lisa says she believes there's a more rational explanation and she doesn't believe people are going to be won over by three seconds of videotape. But then the doorbell rings and we see that a large group of townspeople are outside. And so they start asking Homer questions about the aliens, including like, I think Hibbert asked like, is it silicon based or carbon based life form? And Homer's just like, uh, uh, the second one, Sil- silicone. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But then Flanders asks if Homer was on his roof last night stealing his weather vane and he shuts down the Q&A. He's done. And he shuts the door. And then, of course, the weather vane falls off the roof as soon as he shuts the door. So he probably was. That's probably yeah. Flanders' weather vane. And then in the church, the reverend is giving a sermon about another gentle visitor from the heavens. He also came in peace and then died only to come back to life. His name was E.T. the Extraterrestrial. And then he wipes a tear from his eye and he's like, I love that little guy. (laughs) Thought he was going to drop the J, but nope. E.T. the Extraterrestrial. So over an aerial shot of Springfield, a screen legend reads Friday night. And in the clearing in the woods, there's a large banner that reads, Welcome, Alien. And the school marching band is playing the tones from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Doom, 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 doom. But then the last one is all like, because the kids got the tuba. And then there are booths with merch and there's food. And the stoner kid is holding a sign that says, Alien Dude, need two tickets to Pearl Jam. Because this is the 90s. And then Bart walks up to Leonard Nimoy because Leonard Nimoy's there. And he's like surprised to see Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy's just standing in a hot dog stand. And he's like, Leonard Nimoy, what are you doing here? And Nimoy says, wherever there is a mystery or something unexplained, cosmic forces shall draw me near. Bart kind of rolls his eyes. And then the hot dog vendor says, hey, Spock, what do you want on your hot dog? And Leonard Nimoy's like, surprise me. <laughs> and then Homer and Lisa are at a t-shirt booth sporting shirts and this is this one this is the one that i really was like this was not called for like there was no need to have that in this episode Mm -hmm. but one of the shirts says no fat alien chicks and then another one says homer was right yeah the homer is right one is fine i don't know why you need that i mean i know that no fat chicks thing was really popular and probably still is among certain people but still it's like yeah, especially because that is such a passive like gag, but yeah, it's still like just like you didn't have to do that. It wasn't like like that was required for anything. It was just like no, it's why? just man, man. There is so I mean, not, again, not that it's gotten a lot better, but the '90s were just so rife with fat phobia that it's just kind of oh, and also amazing. misogyny in this case too, in yes. a way. Yeah, so, both. Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, super great. So Homer shows Lisa one of the Homer was right T-shirts, and he's like. You don't see any Homer is a dope t-shirts, do you? And the vendor's like, man, those sold out like in five minutes. <laughs> and he's like, oh. And then Marge and Maggie arrive and they're wearing Homer is a dope t-shirts. And he's like, Marge, how could you? And she's like, homie, look, these are 100% cotton. And then she points out the fine stitching on dope, which means they're not like screen printed. They're like sewn, apparently. Yeah, they're, they're stitching, very nice. So. They're very nice t-shirts. Yeah. Wow. Embroidered. And then suddenly the clouds begin to roil and a glow can be seen in the trees. 
And Homer gasps. And Cressy the Clown is like, ah, and he drops a cigarette. And Leonard Nimoy is like, and spits out his hot dog, and he drops his hot dog. And then the alien emerges, and he says, I bring you love. So Marge tells Homer she's sorry. She should have believed him. And suddenly, the crowd pulls out baseball bats and clubs and pitchforks. And Lenny's like, it's bringing love. Don't let it get away. (laughs) I don't know. And then someone else is like, break its legs. And they converge on the now cowering alien. And Lisa runs between the mob and the alien. And she's like, wait, you want an alien? This is your alien. And so she turns her flashlight toward it. And in the light, the alien is revealed to be... Mr. Burns in a nightshirt with dilated pupils. Oh, he says, hello, children. I bring you love. And caretaker Willie, he's like wielding a hoe. And he's like, it's a monster. Kill it. Kill it. And Smither runs out from the trees. And he's like, it's not a monster. It's Mr. Burns. And Willie's like, oh, it's Mr. Burns. Kill it. Kill it. (laughs) Which, you know, it's fair. And Smithers is like, no. And then he explains that every Friday, Mr. Burns undergoes weekly treatments to cheat death and extend his life. And they include a spine straightening, painkillers, eye drops, and a throat scraping, which is like something. It looks like what they use on Scar to cut hair is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole process leaves him drugged up and disoriented. So I have to say... As a kid in the 90s, we quoted like stuff from SNL and The Simpsons all the time, like with our friends at school and just with each other, my brothers and I. And we used to say, it's bringing love. Don't let it get away. Like all the time. So that line still makes me laugh because I just remember saying it constantly. So anyway. Nerd. I know. And then Bart asked about the green glow that's surrounding Mr. Burns. And Mr. Burns says a lifetime of working in a nuclear power plant has given him a healthy green glow. And then he mutters and left him as impotent as a Nevada boxing commissioner. But now that he's back to normal, he doesn't bring them peace and love. He brings them fear, famine, pestilence, and... Suddenly his doctor shows up with a booster shot. And Mr. Burns is like, whoa. And he goes back to being alienoid looking. Mm -hmm. And he's all sing-song and he's like, Good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello. And then Leonard Nimoy joins him, gets alongside of him, is like, they twinkle above us. We twinkle below. And the town surrounds them all like the Who's down in Whoville, the tall and the small, arm in arm. And they all sing, good morning, Starshine. And among the crowd, Mulder's there, and Scully's there, and Chewbacca's there. (laughs) And then Scully and Chewbacca are wearing Homer's a dope (laughs) t-shirts. Oh. I love that Scully's wearing the horse <laughs> dope t-shirt. I don't know why, but it's perfect. I guess she can't wear a Mulder is a dope t-shirt, so that's as close <laughs> as she can get. I mean, they weren't selling great. those, right? She had like three options. So she yeah. had Homer's a dope, Homer's right, or no alien fat chick. So I think she, yeah, she chose She wisely. chose correctly. Yeah. yeah. And then Marge kisses Homer and says, well, you said you'd bring us peace and love, and it looks like you did. I'm proud of you, homie. And he's like, thanks. And the circle of town folk sing as the sun sets. And then the image freezes and turns into the woodblock from the book. And the book closes. And the PA says, and so this concludes our tale. I'm Leonard Neboy. Good night. And keep watching the skis. Uh, skies. <laughs> and then it's over. 
Because he's the pimply faced, like teenage kid with like the voice cracking all the time. I can't do the voice cracking. So. Yeah, I can't either. I can't do the the yeah. teenage kid voice, but yeah. Yeah. So this is the first of two episodes that Reed Harrison would write, and the fifth of like 79 episodes that Stephen Dean Moore would direct. So like I said, nice. there's like 27,000 episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, so many. This episode was the third highest rated show on Fox for the week beginning January 12th, 1997, because week starts on Sunday. X-Files was number one. And then the second was the series premiere of King of the Hill, which actually aired right between them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Sunday nights were like the night for Fox, it would seem, because they were just, yeah, that was, those were their top three shows all in one night. Just like boom, 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 like in reverse order, in fact, because it was like number three, number two, number one. So obviously this show references in search of with the whole Leonard Nimoy stuff, although he doesn't do like he's not sitting at a desk and like looking through books when he talks about in search of stuff. But, no. Yeah. But he does Close give enough. narration like, what could it be? What is the answer? You know, and they do kind of parody that with like, is this proof of aliens? No, but it is, you know, whatever. It feels like the truth or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's very <laughs> like a lot be? of in, a lot yeah. of in search of is very like. We're going to posit these crazy things and then just leave it. And we're going to be theory like, yep. and conjecture. Yeah. So you don't know what we're you, talking about. You obviously don't subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. We have been covering in search of honor Patreon. It's really fun. Nick does a lot of research, deep dives and learns a lot of stuff. And I do some research, but Nick really gets into it and we learn a lot. So it's really fun. You yeah. Listen. I've said it many times. If you want to hear me not be crabby, you need to subscribe to Patreon. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of fun over there. So you should yeah. too. You should join us. There is one thing in this episode I could not figure out and I could not find mention of it anywhere. But when we open, like Leonard Nimoy is sitting at the desk and then the spotlight comes on on him. And then at the end, when the kid is like, good night, you know, then the spotlight closes. And in the opening before the spotlight shows and then at the end, after the spotlight closes, there's like the NBC peacock feather like lighting behind them like on the bookcase and I do not know what is going on with that I could not find any mention of that and I don't know like it's intentional like it's there like they animated that but I don't know what it's supposed to be doing because like Mm -hmm. in search of wasn't on NBC it was a you know first run syndication series so I don't know what the deal is with that if it's supposed to be the nbc peacock if it's supposed to be something else that i just don't get i don't know what's going on yeah i don't either i don't have any idea hmm. well if you know i guess let us know because yeah. i don't i don't so. know and i just have to say we talked about how all the simpsons characters have names but i was very happy to find out that dr burns doctor is named dr nick so. He's Dr. Nick. He's also incredibly incompetent. Though. Yeah, he's like a quack. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Riviera, I think is his full name. Yeah, he's apparently yeah. a quack doctor. But, Hi, yeah. everybody. I'm Dr. Nick. Anyway. I was just happy because he's Dr. Nick. And I'm like, yeah. Watched a so. lot of Simpsons. A lot of Simpsons. Yeah. So as we mentioned just a little bit ago, this episode aired the same night as season four, episode 11, El Mundo Gira of the X-Files. However, we will be discussing that episode next week for scheduling reasons. So, yeah, remember that thing I said about moving? as a bonus, but yeah, yeah, Corey's moving. It's gonna be her birthday tomorrow, 
So yeah, and um, I am yeah. I, I mean, not tomorrow in real time, but like tomorrow. No, in tomorrow when this airs. Yeah. yeah, when when you're hearing this, if you're listening on the day it comes out, tomorrow is my birthday, and I will have just moved several states away and we'll still be in the process of moving into my new place so we are taking a few days off recording just because yeah, i have so a lot we're, to do. we're running a little thin on the uh the backup we have built and so yeah yeah so. i'm gonna have to catch up a lot but that's okay it'll be good i'll get to be close to my family and th- they're gonna love it because i'm gonna bug them all the time <laughs> so they're they're gonna Tell dig it get off her lawn and talk about how like tokens are bad and it should be quarters. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of arcades there, so that'll be cool, I guess, if I if I really need to scratch that itch. Not that there aren't arcades in the Seattle area, but, you know. Yeah. So Mulder and Scully obviously exist in the Simpsons universe, mm-hmm. but the Simpsons exist in the X-Files universe as well, oh, cool. at least as a television show. Because if you remember, season three, episode 11, Revelations. Mulder mentions that when the kids are doing their description of Kevin's kidnapper, Mulder says that it looks like Homer Simpson's evil twin. Oh, yeah. All right. They're like, and he was bald because his hair all got burned off in hell. <laughs> that was really funny. I don't know why, but especially because the little yeah. kid later is it's like. It's just little kids. Yeah. That's why, that's why it's funny. It's good. Little kids. He doesn't have hair because it was all burned off in hell. In hell. So great. Oh dear. And then I wasn't sure, so I looked it up. Good morning, Starshine is actually a real song. It's from the Broadway musical Hair, 1967. And it will also appear, I guess, in a 2001 episode of The Simpsons. Huh. It has appeared in advertisements and movies and other television shows, including the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, Family Ties, The Ren and Stimpy Show wings and abfab and those last three are all in 1996 so yeah so apparently this song had a big like revival in the mid late 90s so yeah it was just in the public zeitgeist or something kept getting used for everything i listened to it actually like was like number three on the billboard charts and stuff the version that actually was sold wasn't actually from the play or from the movie that was made about hair because one of the female characters actually sings the song in the show and in uh-huh. the movie, but the song was released by a male singer on an album. And then like with like number three on the billboard charts and all kinds of stuff. I listen. It's not good. It is not good at all. <laughs> it's not a good song. It's horrible. It's like, Whoa, man. Yeah. You had to be doing drugs to listen to this. Holy crap. But, yeah, um, I feel like I've seen the Brady Bunch sing it, and I yeah. know I've seen it in Hair because I have seen Hair both on, like I've seen the stage show and I've seen the movie. So it's been a long time since I've seen Hair. I don't remember when that song comes in. I thought it was one of the ones they sang on it's, the music uh, show, but maybe it's not. It's actually in. I think it's in the first act towards the end, if I remember correctly, from what I read. I didn't put all the super details in the notes, so. Type in Good Morning Starshine, go to the Wikipedia page, and it'll tell you where it is. So, okay. And it'll also yeah. give you a list of all the places where it appears. <laughs> so, well, maybe not all of them, but like some of them. So people have done covers of it, too. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. Meatloaf was in hair originally, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. If, well, I don't know if he was in the Broadway version. I know that was like one of his first gigs was that's where he was actually discovered was, I think, doing like an off Broadway version of hair, possibly. Maybe it was a Broadway. I forget been a while since i said about meatloaf's bio we're talking about jim steinman and meatloaf 
So rest in yeah. peace, both of you guys, I guess. Although Meatloaf kind of became a dick later. So. Yeah. Mostly what I know about Meatloaf is from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And yeah. also that music video he had on MTV, which I, this could be completely wrong, but I think it was like the longest music video at the time. But it was the like, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, well, I was going to say, because Paradise by the Dashboard Lights was like one of the longest songs from okay. coming, like three different cuts of it. So but yeah, but he did the other one. But too. I remember yeah. the music video being very long. Yeah, no, they, they were. Like a, they cut it down. Yeah. For like, so like they originally would show the really long version and then they would cut it down. So that's the one where he's a werewolf, right? I think so. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was like very cinematic. That was back when MTV mostly just played music videos and I would turn it on while I was getting ready for school and it was just on. Yeah. Jim Steinman. Mm-mm-mm. Man, he's a beast. Love the dude. So, but anyway. Nope. Yeah, Meatloaf became like an anti-vaxxer. And, I know. Well, yeah, it's not great. Anyway. But that's the Springfield Files. Yeah, it was, you know, I remember watching it when it first aired because obviously like Sunday night, getting ready to watch the X-Files. I'm sure we watched 60 Minutes and then we watched this and we probably watched King of the Hill because it was just on in between. Although I did actually end up liking King of the Hill a lot. And then the X-Files. We watched El Mundo Gira, which I have no memory of watching the first time around, but we will talk about that episode next week. Yeah. And this actually happened kind of serendipitously. You and I have talked about this before, like, oh, and, you know, just talking about different X-Files stuff and how, like, oh, yeah, they were they had the Simpsons episode. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. And then I was reading Opening the X-Files, A Critical History of the Original Series by Darren Mooney, and I was reading about season four. And they mentioned how that episode aired when they came back from the holiday break, basically, because they had like, you know, they've been reruns like during the Christmas season, that kind of stuff. And I was like, holy shit, it like it like works with what we're doing. We should do it because we weren't planning to do it, but we decided to just lock it in because it's like it happens right there. So, yeah, and we're kind of trying to do things in chronological order, too. So it's kind of cool when we can make that work. Yep. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other references in here that we obviously did not talk about. Yeah. Some of them we know about, but it's like, oh, you can you can read all that stuff. So there's links in the show notes. Have a time. So. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience while I go through this huge life change. I appreciate it. Uh, It's it's a lot of work. I got to say, I got a lot of crap that I have to shove in boxes. Yeah. We didn't want to just take like a whole gap week. But so it worked out that we had this that we could slot in. Yeah. So. so we hope you enjoyed listening to it. I enjoyed watching it again. It's been a long time since I've seen this episode. Oh, we didn't mention Mulder's match. Well, that was one of the things that I was gonna say that we you can look up. Yeah, we yeah. No, because on his FBI badge, he just has like the picture, it's like the regular FBI badge, and then below it is the picture of Mulder in the speedo. Yeah. Although <laughs> I have I have issues with this because you will always read. That it's a reference to him wearing the red speedo in Dwayne Barry, it which is, then yeah. also gets referenced in, in other X Files episodes as we as we go along, right? Mm-hmm. In the picture, he's wearing a black speedo. I know, I know. And I saw one person mention this, and I looked and I looked and I looked, and I could not find definite confirmation of this. But because David Duchovny was in the Red Shoe Diaries before he was in the X Files. And the person mentioned that it's actually closer to being a representation of the Red Shoe Diaries than it is the X-Files, just because like the different color, right? 
And I did find pictures of David Duchovny with no shirt and wearing what looked like may have been black, like Speedos or briefs or something. But all the pictures I see cut off like at the waistband. So I can't tell if they're like boxer shorts or if it's a Speedo or if they're like leggings. I don't know. Probably wouldn't be wearing leggings in the 90s. But I could not get confirmation of it. So and I wasn't going to go through and watch a bunch of Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely a reference to Dwayne Barry and the Speedo, but it is a different color. So I don't know if it's also meant to be a reference to the Red Shoe Diaries. That may have just been a design choice. Maybe the red wouldn't pop as much on the background. Yeah, that might have been it. Or yeah, I don't know why. But it's definitely meant to invoke the fact that Mulder wore a Speedo, right? (laughs) I just like being a contrarian. So if I can, I will. <laughs> so, but I found one, I only found one person that mentioned that, and then, like I said, I could not find anybody mentioning the alligator. Which again, I think that was not intentional. Obviously, no, probably not. But it still but, works. It does work. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now I think we're done. So thank you for okay. listening. <laughs> All right. I was going like, to let it ride. We couldn't discuss this episode without mentioning that because I was just going to let thing. it ride. I was going to be contrarian and not discuss it, or he dropped it in at the end. So okay. <laughs> I got to. I got to. Sorry. I'm looking out for you people. I know. All right. You love your Mulder fan service. So we got to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. That's right. We made this. We also make a Patreon-only X-Files adjacent podcast that you should definitely check out. Links in the show notes. But whatever you do... Be sure to join us next time for the X-Files Season 4, Episode 11, El Mundo Gira. Then together, we'll try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still still out out there. there. Nada
This production was not improved, endorsed, or authorized by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and originally aired on Sunday, January 12th, 1997 at 8pm. You said it was not improved. (laughs) Oh, shit. Why would I say that? I'm going to do the whole thing again anyway, so. Approved. Approved. I mean, it wasn't improved by them either. Oh my god! Oh my god! (laughs) I was gonna try and let it go, and I just—I had to break. I broke. Sorry. No, you're probably like you're probably like. Why the fuck is he laughing? I'm trying to talk. I'm funny. I'm just a funny person. (laughs) People laugh at me all the time because I'm hilarious, (laughs) not because I'm messing up.